Oh, you're singing today. Yeah, I'm feeling in a sing-song. Oh, I believe moment, I last time you refused. You, you asked denied me. the world your gifts. Well, I'm feeling, Mike, I'm singing because I'm feeling good. You're feeling up? I'm feeling up. Uh, some great stuff has happened in our in my life and not in your life. But Maybe in my we life. should uh, talk about it today. Should we start right there? So No, uh, no, we should save it till later. Fine. Where's your sense of oh, drama? Oh, save it till the end, of, like after we do our... After we do oh, the topic. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's called a tease. Fans of the pod will already know exactly what yeah. we're talking about, but we'll give you a little more, you know, in-depth... Uh, you keep talking. Reaction. Adjust your microphone. Thank you, Mike. So we're we're this is the pod. I'm uh, David Berge. Uh, I am one of the hosts of this uh, delightful podcast where we talk about the big questions of life, faith, um, the mysteries, sweet mysteries of existence. Um, we we do so from a Christian perspective, but of course we uh, hope that no matter where you find yourself, uh, you know, on the religious, sacred, secular, theist, atheist, pantheist. Non-theist, um, tri-theist, polytheist uh, spectrum that you find our conversations interesting. Big, big, big slam on the Wiccans there, not including them. Or well, what's the, a wouldn't they fall in the pantheist? Uh, well, I'm just sort of you know narrowing the focus. Well, I didn't name any specific forms of faith. I didn't say Christian, Jew, Hindu, Muslim. Buddhist, well, that's animist, come on, let's, Wiccan. Let's get with it. Um, uh, did we? Uh, how many Satanist listeners? Do you think I don't know. Pro- Satanism is. I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but now it's like um, it's not really even like Satan worship anymore. They're they're more like moralistic than any other group of people saying like, well, actually, worship of Satan is like it's a very like. Um, Wait. It's a very demanding ethical set of things. It's not like this hedonistic you're getting embrace a, you're of getting devilish an um things. Actually, from the Satanists. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's progress or not. I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, nice tinkling of ice there. By Thank the way. you. It's really good. Mike has great ice because Mike, you know those those ice cubes that you get from your fridge that are just Ugh. white and filled with oxygen. They don't have that same tinkle. Nope. I hear they do not. They do not. They thud against the glass. So Mike makes tinkly ice. I do. <laughs> I don't make it for the tinkling. That's just a a wonderful <laughs> side benefit. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's the podcast, and we're going to talk about a big topic, and then in the second half, we're going to unveil exciting news. I mean, rarely do we have exciting news. We frequently have news that excites, thrills. I don't, but it, does it qualify as news? Like the, the fact that you eat some sort of squid testicle? That's not really news. <laughs> it's exciting, but it's not really news. Do squids have testicles? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you find them. <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic for a whole other show. After dark, like trees walking. That's probably a podcast on its own anyway, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> There's got to be a podcast about everything. So, um, all right. Well, let's uh, introduce the big topic. It's something that I ran across, and I sent it on to you for your wisdom. So I'm, I'm just raising it, and then I'm ducking out of the way. And, and That's your you... want to do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> on and, this program, and, and that is uh, in an email that I titled uh, "Gulp" to you. It's uh, mm, oh boy. Uh, this is about, uh, uh, let's see, millennials leaving religion and not coming back is the headline that I saw. And the survey said that... Survey uh, says? <laughs> uh, 57% of millennials agree that religious people are generally less tolerant 
compared to only 37% of baby boomers. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Uh, 74%, This, but this is the bigger title. That was a sort of secondary stat. Here's the big one. 74% of unaffiliated millennials have a non-religious partner or spouse, mm. while only 26% have a partner who is religious. And part of the color of that, they say, used to be you get married, one's religious. Yeah. And they're they... they're going to go towards the religious now. Both of them, no matter what their background, drift together, drift away from. And that trend is not reversing. It's not pulsing up and down. We're not making progress, depending on your point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Pastor, what is going on? Should we be gulping and uh, should we be afraid? We, meaning you and I. And, um, and, and others of our well of our uh, ilk. yeah i mean yeah should i should we be afraid as as you know christians uh um in um, american christians who have a vested interest in uh the you know vitality of our the, the vitality of our faith um yeah i mean i think that's something that's a value i share and that's incredibly important to me that we have a vital and robust faith uh because it's not just good for people, like it is of eternal significance. I'd say the most important, significant, most importantly mm-hmm. significant thing. And oh, by the way, it, it, uh, being uh, religious, but I mean, I can't speak as sort of a generic religious person. But being Christian has all these knock-on sort of positive um, social side effects. You know, it comes with uh, one of the beautiful things is it comes with a high degree of social capital. So not only do you, um, you know, get to live uh, forever uh, in God's. Uh, eternal kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. But, you know, uh, this side of that, there's also, it helps you get through this veil of tears. Um, and so, you know, I want a, um, I mean, I want our our country, our society to be healthy, to be filled with, you know, uh, flourishing people. And so I think a diminishing religiosity, uh, actually, I mean, it, it works against that. It's going to have all sort of negative social knock-on effects. Not, that's not the primary thing I'm concerned about, but I do care about people and like want them to be happier than not and 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 have better lives than not and so this is a disturbing trend even just in 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 that sense too and so uh we, we have to be we do have to be um concerned about it and look at those trends and say um you know why why are they happening what can we do about them what's the answer what the what's the solution i mean these are are they're complicated phenomenon. Why is this happening? You know, what's the explanation? Why are Americans, you know, America used to stand apart from Europe, at least, as a developed country that still, you know, was incredibly religious. But like everything else, it seems that there's this great, um, at least in our country, like this great sorting uh, taking place. And so people kind of live two different lives or or there's, a, you know, everything is sorted according to partisan identities now. So in fact, in in an article on uh, 538, that's the Nate Silver, you know, data journalism outfit. Um, they were talking about some of the results of this and saying that actually, if you kind of dig into the cross tabs, as they say, um, that, you know, kind of the, the return to religion. So people leaving, millennials leaving and not coming back, because it used to be that when you got a little bit older, say you got through, um, you know, I'm a, the oldest millennial now. I was born in 1982. And so when we're talking about millennials, we're now talking about people who are pushing 40 to probably the, you know, early 20s at this point. Uh, what would happen is, you know, you go to college or start working and then in your mid, mid-20s, mid you know, you would get married to someone and then 
by the time you're 30, start having kids. And then, you know, when, when you're making those big life commitments, like getting married, you go back to the church, you know, typically uh, that used to be a religious ceremony. So that would bring you back into contact with the church. And then, of course, when you have children, um, you know, you want to uh, raise them with the same kind of uh, religious experience that you had. And so it drives you back to the church for, I think, a whole host of reasons, um, wanting to pass on a tradition, the kind of social support that comes with being a part of a ch- uh, of the church, the people think that it instills morals in children. Um, and, and so you used to see a return, but now you're just not seeing that return anymore. But except if you look at the cross tabs, the, you know, if you're a conservative person or a Republican, that they say in this, that there is kind of the old trend still hold a bit in that. Um, but if you are identified as a Democrat, that then you, the, this new trend, um, you're not going back to religion once you leave it. So that just to me is a sort of a depressing social phenomenon that, that, that kind of, uh, negative polarization, hyper-partisanship has absolutely tainted absolutely every single aspect of um of our national life and this is just one of them that that your kind of polit- political uh, predisposition or preferences are going to be indicative of your religiosity um at least that's true for for white people um uh, of course uh, uh black uh, protestants are kind of speak against this trend but but at least for uh, white american christians by and large that's another aspect of our identities uh, that have been you know, shaped, uh, shaped bipartisanship is now we are just so in these tribes where these things happen. So it's like, are, are we headed for a future that, uh, Stephen King wrote about in the stand where there's just like two Las Vegas is like the, the place of the devil. And then I, I forget where the, there was a place where there were like good people. And then there's just a giant post-apocalyptic war between good and evil. I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, I hope so. I'm just saying <laughs> that would be fun. At least I, we'd have some fun. I don't know, but but all all that all that rambling to say is like you know asking asking what can we do about this? This is happening, and it's worse for some groups than it are for others. There's a lot of interesting data out there actually about religious switching. Um, is the term? It's I think a sociological term for when people like sw- who what percentage of people remain in the religious tradition in which they were raised versus switch out of it. Um, either to join another religion or to go to no religious affiliation at all, the, the nuns. And when it comes to religious switching, um, that, so the, the biggest switching you see is people moving from uh, religiously affiliated to, to unaffiliated. There's every, for every one person who goes from unaffiliated to religious, four people go from religious to unaffiliated. Right. There's not, and when you say switching... No one's going from uh, mainline Protestantism to Wiccanism. I mean, that's very rare. Some that's, are. That's very rare. Some yes. are, but I mean, that's very, very rare. The most common forms of switching would say be going from Catholic to like a some form of Protestant or something like that. Um, you know, that's or you know, that's a very or actually, there's a lot of switching in in America. At least, like, there's a lot of switching into to uh, Buddhism. Um, like sure. though it's a very small percentage of the population, you know, you do know a lot of of, of uh, uh, Caucasian people who switch to Buddhism. Like that's, I think, if I looked at the data, like sixty seven percent percentage, sixty seven percent of Buddhists in the United States switched to that from another faith. How um, many are going to that one that Madonna went to? Remember the Kabbalah? Kabbalah, yeah. That's a form of Judaism. So I, you know, like, uh, the, yeah. but isn't it? It's very fringe. It's extremely of. fringe. Okay. Extremely fringe. But all that to say, Catholics fare the worst when it comes to religious switching. For every one person that joins a, the Roman Catholic Church, six leave. Hmm. Yeah. For mainline Protestants, it's like I think one point six or one point seven leave for everyone that comes in. Um, for uh, 
conservative or for uh, evangelical Protestants, I think it's 1.2 join for everyone that leaves. So that's one that's sort of bucking the trend. And if you drill down in that, though, actually, the the kind of one uh, Christian Protestant group that is net gaining is non-denominal, non-denominational I- hmm. identity. That's like, which makes sense, because if you look at the churches that are growing and flourishing, it's sort of like the non-denominational kind of megachurch is like the... Uh, appears to be the church of the moment. I so pretty say. much every uh, brand is tainted as they oh, say, yeah. from a branding standpoint. Yeah. No, there's nothing that's—almost no one has been spared. I mean, the news is not—it's either—I mean, some is a gushing, gaping wound. I would say the Roman Catholic Church, that's a horrible—that's six to one is yeah. just really bad. you got to crank up those bingo nights. They <laughs> do. Well, and, Steak fries and bingo. And, and if you think—and, you know, like, it used to be the joke. You know, my mom uh, comes from a—my mom's— Roman Catholic background and my you know grandma she was Irish Catholic and she had a big huge family you know 13 14 kids and and then uh you know my mom comes from a family of five and so like now you know birth rates fertility is like it used to be while you were you know if you're losing people you're at least replenishing the you know you're having enough kids that you're you're able to um grow your faith you you know that's the most natural form of church mm-hmm. growth is to start having babies increase your fertility rate and so no i mean that doesn't even that you you can't have enough kids to replace a six to one losing rate and and for mainland protestants it's more of a slow drip uh, out a slow bleed but it's still a bleed mm-hmm. nonetheless um and so you know what what is the solution couches and coffee uh, emerging church kind of i mean that's you know the <laughs> the emerging church which people can't even i mean it's it, it was it was a flash in the pit the proverbial flash in the pan of sort of yeah smells or bells or kind of like a cool it's not a movement it's a conversation you know postmodernism. um i was i was making a, a a joke about it the other day and i wanted to find a photo so that i could prove because uh, people i was Making this too, we're not probably they weren't, not going to be aware. They of weren't it. aware of the. So I just church. did a search and I, I I wrote like coffee couches emerging church, and just tons of them. Like imagine what you're thinking in your mind. Every single photo, there was just like hundreds of them. It's like okay, I wasn't wrong about no, this. No, not at all. Oh yeah. no, 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 no. This was a kind of a a um, that's like a kind of a uh, technical change. You know, sort of just like change the carpet or the furniture or the type of music yeah, or signage like uh, i mean and that stuff hey on the margins i think some of that stuff has actually works is like very sure. effective well it must i mean yeah so yeah. like uh, uh you're not going to save the culture by like or save your you know uh, church tradition uh, by having a better website but like you can also <laughs> expedite your decline by having a horrible website or a horrible sign or a horrible experience for when people come in so i mean you know what is my tack like what do i try to do um as a pastor in this culture recognizing the realities of that you know being in the city of minneapolis itself which is you know, Minnesota itself is kind of a, a bastion, one of the last bastions, I'd say, of sort of like mainline Protestantism. It's stronger here than in other parts of the country. But still, it's not like this is a growth industry around here, um, I would say, uh, at all. Uh, that, not in the urban core, you know, that's for sure. But so what, what, what can one do? Um, I think one has to be uh, very, you, you have to know what you're talking about when it comes to really understanding your own um, 
your own convictions and your own beliefs. And so being able to explain those um, winsomely and persuasively, at least to the point where people don't think you're, you know, stupid or crazy for holding those beliefs. I think also being uh, welcoming in the sense of like when people come and visit you, like expecting that people are going to come and visit you and appreciating them when they're there, acknowledging their existence. I mean, these are simple things that just don't happen. And uh, when you aggregate them over millions of examples or tens of thousands of examples, you're like not doing the easy things or the very doable things that can make a real difference to start not just holding the line, but like actually growing the movement back because the gospel itself is incredibly compelling. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a great news. It's really good news. Um, and so, uh, that's sort of what we've got. That's, that's, that's the one thing that we're going to have at the end of the day is this incredible message about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, the kind of life that he invites us into, what he offers us. And so um, when, when, when we live within a culture where even to hear that news uh, can be difficult or doesn't make sense because of um, maybe some of the, the pre predispositions that people bring to even hearing it, you know, like not believing that there is a God or, you know, being completely closed off to the supernatural, what uh, the uh, Charles Taylor, the Canadian... Uh, uh, sociologist calls like people just having a fully imminent frame, you mm-hmm. know, like there's nothing else out there, like just kind of a, a very materialist, pure materialist mindset. That's very difficult to puncture and break through. And so um, uh, you, you have to have kind of a, 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 a apologetic way of at least opening minds or opening eyes. And so that, that takes a lot of hard work week in and week out. It also takes building institutions um, that can pass that on, you know, generation to generation and train and raise up leaders. I mean, it's just hard generational work. So the battle wasn't lost in a year or a two years or a few months. You know, it's been a long, long, long uh, decline. And so to reverse that trend is going to take a lot of hard work and work that's going to last beyond uh, beyond my lifetime, that's for sure. I, th- I think that part of it, uh, I heard long ago something that uh, jarred me from someone who was in apologetics and was sort of advocating for a more robust apologetic uh, courses or just teaching throughout all the churches, whatever your beliefs are, you should know if it's just a cultural thing, well, then it's going to go away with a culture and you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to get them back. But this person said, when someone is going, yeah, I'm a, just a full materialist or whatever, you're not going to convince them by saying, well, Christ has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to, you, you got a lot more work to do before you could ever get to that with that kind of thing. And I think that the, the church, as I know, it got pretty lazy about apologetics. And uh, I almost think in a way it's more important than just completely steeping your children in the Bible and then pushing them out the door to college where they don't, they don't care about that. The Bible is garbage to mm-hmm. them. It's worse than trash. It's negative. Uh, and so then how do you stand up at the first challenge that you get for that? You can't quote a Bible verse to them. You're, you're doomed. You're out there with nothing. So. Yeah. So pr- probably being, well, and I think if you want to pass it on to the next generation, of course, um, being a you know serious, practicing, thoughtfully engaged practitioner of the faith, it makes a huge difference. That actually makes the biggest difference outside of anything. And actually, if you look at the research, it's uh, of, of it, 
for fathers have an incredibly prominent role to play in this, you know, because that's sort of the stereotype is that, uh, you know, mom takes the kids to church and dad comes occasionally, but he's out golfing. Um, and and uh, if you look at the research, like having a, uh, actually having a father who is seriously engaged in a serious practitioner of his faith, that has a huge redounding benefit um, for the religiosity of the children down the road. And so it's, it's, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural, pro- it's a cultural project. Um, you know, not some in the broadest sense that it involves all the, the, the elements of, of building a culture, you know, which starts with the family and includes the institu- institutions and rituals and practices that you're going to have to build in, in order to make it to, um, in order to, you know, buck the trend, reverse it and turn the tide, which I think is, you know, good for the world and, and a necessary worthy task to give one's life over to. And I mean, I guess one of the only aspects of good news is like, I don't think this is inevitable or irreversible. And there were times in, um, you know, if you know anything about American history, like that there were times where this country was not super religious. Early America was a a fairly, uh, from what I understand, irreligious place. Um, So we're more religious now than we were then. Now it seems that maybe our, we're more um, uh, maybe inured to faith because of some of the, uh, uh, presuppositions that that we bring that are very powerful that maybe those are more common though I don't you know have the survey data from you know people's beliefs uh, from back then as to right. what was stopping them but uh, um, you know that that this country has been um, incredibly like irreligious before and so, so you know what reverse that trend was a you know a great awakening uh, which itself lasted for decades and decades and decades to make us I was who we just are today. asking or is just about to ask could we just sit back and just hope for a great awakening is that is that a plan i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it is a plan it, it <laughs> right. i mean you can say like i think you can hope you 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 hope in god's providence that he's going to make a make a way that we we don't know when that's going to come or what that is going to look like within our own society. But we can at least, you know, look look around the world and say, well, um, you know, that ultimately uh, the Christian faith isn't like shrinking on a, in a global sense. Um, you know, so across the world uh, that that Christianity has grown, you know, quite rapidly over the course of the past century. So we're, well, it all seems like doom and gloom maybe around here, or it's a real challenge and a real struggle. Uh, we can look at other places in this world where the faith has flourished and grown and, and, and pray that, you know, I guess maybe uh, missionaries are going to come from those places to reinvigorate uh, uh, the, the Christian faith in our own culture, yeah. you know? Yeah, and plus, I was just—we uh, were just reading this this morning, my wife and I, our daily, our daily Advent reading, mm-hmm. uh, reference to Joseph and all of his many failures oh, before, you know, like failing a lot. Like, there's, there's, this is irreversible. He's a slave, uh, and so that kind of th- the way that God uses apparent failures should be so obvious to us. But it, it's just hard when you get this news, you know, pushed in your face, like. People hate your religion and they're not coming back. It's tough to take that as a positive. It is. You know? it, 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 it certainly is. And it's not good news. And one doesn't have to pretend um, it's good news. But, you know, Jesus also talks in the New Testament about being his follower includes denying oneself and taking up a cross. And, you know, blessed are you when people hate you and revile you and persecute mm-hmm. you because you're loyal to me. Like, that's kind of part of the package, too. And, and not that we're anywhere near uh, the experience of, of, you know, Christians across the world who actually, like, you can actually be arrested and imprisoned and tortured and have your family suffer all sorts of adverse consequences. Uh, we, we don't have to deal with with that. But um, 
but but we do with a, deal with a real loss um, in its own way in in our own culture. And so, I mean, it's certainly well, it's not um, anything like that. It's it's certainly something to lament and and grieve and to work against and and pray for God to create a new way for us um, into the future. You know, and and a new movement uh, of His people um, in 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 our culture. Like that's a that's a worthy uh, life. Uh, that's a worthy project to surrender one's life to. And if the news keeps getting bad, so what? Yeah. All we can do is what? Be faithful. Be as faithful as we can. And don't, um, and get out of our own way in some instances. So, you know, but like, why do some people leave the church? Well, just control the things you can control. So if yeah. you're nasty or uh, uh, judgmental or, you know, don't have, you know, so wishy-washy that you might as well not believe anything. Like these are things that are within your control uh, in, in terms of how you, um, how you practice the faith. Well, I think there's also a point to be made that it's not, nece- it's not good that culture aligns with the church or that religion is just sort of part of the culture right. because then you just don't like, okay, if we're all just signed up for it, I mean, <laughs> big deal. Like this is not... A, fi- a church on fire, you know, with no, the Holy and, Spirit or anything. This is just, and that's always been the, you know, in in um, in Christian cultures that that's always there's always been this tension between, you know, the that these great revival movements or Pietist movements arise within these, you know, ostensibly Christian cultures because they go, well, you know, I'll just take Sweden for example, like the the kind of Pietists rose up because they said. Or and and in Germany too, with the with with the Pietists rising up out of Lutheranism, it's like, well, if to just be a Christian is to be born in this society, but how you actually live your life and what you kind of believe makes no difference whatsoever. How is that faithful at all to what Jesus was talking about? And so, um, you know, this is where the this is where these Pietist, uh, you know, kind of revivalist, uh, rigorist movements arise within culture because they go. If it doesn't mean if if just being a Christian means being a member of society, that doesn't mean anything, and that captures in no way what we see um, what we see in Scripture. Yeah. So I mean, at, at some level, the people leaving, good riddance. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better to like maybe it's better to leave than stay for the wrong reason. Yeah. And maybe. It also, well, but it, it also focuses uh, the churches on what are we actually doing here? Or do, we, or do we just? Have sort of this lame again, just this. We're oh, people like us, great. I mean, that's that's fine, I guess, as far as it goes. But that also isn't the church as I see it. Well, sure, and and hopefully it can help refine uh, and actually think about what is our mission. Why do we exist? What is our purpose? You know, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so the well there, it's less widespread. You know, maybe it's deeper. So a mile wide. Would you rather have a church that's a mile wide and an inch deep? Or uh, an inch wide and a mile deep, you know. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, you know, I'd rather have it be as wide as and, and, and as deep as it can be, certainly. But um, but there is something to be said where um, when you're kind of like the lo- least common denominator um, type of the situation, how you can just get become a real thin gruel, yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know. Well, remember when Jesus gave the hard teaching and everybody just drifted away, and then. Said to the disciples, "Like you're gonna leave me too? You're gonna, this, well, it is pretty hard, but 
We'll stick around. You alone. said, well, where you else alone. can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And he, that's when he's talking about eating his flesh and, yeah. you know, and drinking his blood. And people are like, this is a cannibal oh, act. They're leaving and putting both hands like, yeah, <laughs> goodbye. This Boo. is gross. This is gross. <laughs> Repulsive to us and everything we believe. So, uh, yeah, I like our meandering conversation here. And, and just to say that a council of despair, you know, uh, despair is a, is a sin, I think. Um, but also, uh, uh, one of my... Uh, favorite sayings I heard is, there can be no vitality without reality. And so we don't have to deny what is happening. I, I think that's not helpful either. And um, I've come from um, uh, situations, denominal, denominational situations, where like the statistics come out every year and they're bad. They go from sort of bad to worse. And then like when they're not quite as bad, that is presented as good news. Like mm-hmm. we shrank slower last year. And that's... Um, then people feel like they're kind of being lied to or or there's not a grasp of reality um and that's dis, that's a real turnoff in and of itself yeah. too yeah you know because because people go well, well you know at least if we admit there's a problem then we can say hey what can we do about it what is god calling us to do about it but if right. things are just going fine and there's no problem and we're all, you know, hey, everything's going to work out again or we're going to hope for a second, third, third or fourth great awakening, you know, that's not like, like that's a, that's not a plan. That's a no. hope. That's our hope. And I know you were joking when you said that, but yes. it's like, like that's a hope that we have. But what, what, what do we do then in the meantime? Because we, a, a great awakening is not going to happen because of what we do, but what can we do that God can then take and bless and like, you know, a loaves and fishes type miracle. We bring what meager things we have and it's up to God to, to multiply it. Yeah. The, uh, I'll give you my last word and then you give yours, but, uh, it put me in mind of a, uh, I think this is now an old Babylon B headline, this drifting away, put me in mind of this. The, <laughs> it's, uh, the headline was Christian singer on course to renounce everything he formerly <laughs> believed by 2021 or something. That's just a in- slow sort of started singing sort of, I, a couple secular songs on this album. And then finally the look, I don't believe any of this. But there was uh, this, that makes me think of, there was this, um, there was this church in this town where I used to, uh, where I used to work. And, uh, the, the, the church was a real uh, interesting place. And uh, like the pastor went through this spiritual journey and the church followed it. And it was a it was kind of a, it was sad to watch like this person's Christian faith, I think, uh, like him lose it basically in a lot of ways. And, and so one of the ways it manifested itself was that it was like, hey, how can we be a church for people who don't like church? Or, you know, it came from a good heart. I mean, this is me putting my best, like, most charitable interpretation. <laughs> it came from a place of like, hey, there's people who church has burned, or they've been turned off to it, or whatever. How can we reach them, you know, and speak to them where they're at? Um, and so one of the solutions was to, like, sing only secular songs <laughs> okay. in the service. And it was, and and uh, we knew someone who went there, like, her family went there, and she would tell us, like, what they were singing, and and it was like singing yesterday by the beatles like it was like kind of like a cl- it, it was like classic rock so it was very yesterday's like a nihilism song it was all very it was a very you know okay boomer like type of music situation at the church it was like okay like this person you know they're of a certain age and so this was the music that they grew up with and so now it's like cool for the church to play these, and it was so cringe. Like, oh, that's so like bad. It, like, it was just so cringeworthy to hear that. So that's not the solution. Yeah, and it's tactically always bad. This is in anything where you, because of outside pressure to do something, you then change everything that people who actually 
use your whatever you're doing, right, whether right. it's a product or whatever. So you alienate all of them <laughs> in the hopes that you know, other people who don't like what you do will somehow like it again. That's never a good strategy. Uh, it, it was just, I just couldn't think of these. And they did, and this church did the whole thing where they brought in the, they got rid of the chairs, Mike. They brought in the couches. Nice. It was, it was, it was did sad. They, oh, did they sing Imagine? They, I'm Lennon? sure. Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes, yes. I heard that in a church once with a, a guy brought me to his church. This is like high school. And they sang Imagine. And I was doing the, like looking to the side, doing the double take. Is this for real? And he's just smiling and singing along with him. Like, did you ever do a pod on Imagine? Uh, I think we've brought it up before. One of that we should do an exegesis of that. That is just one of the most. I, I generally, I've softened toward. I used to not like John Lennon. I think he's kind of an interesting guy. He went through a lot of, I think, a lot of changes in his, in his life and in his thinking. And towards the end, I believe he might have been sympathetic to Christianity. Even I've read I don't that know, somewhere once. But it, maybe that's just a rumor. I, I've never dug into it. But the point being, imagine is a terrible song. <laughs> It's a terrible song. It's a beautiful melody. It's a terrible song. You know, it ain't easy. You know how hard it can be. The way things are going. They're going to crucify me. I mean, you know, oh, he, you he, he could write a catchy. Yes, yes. He can write a melody. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Gifted. Beatles. Love the Beatles. Yeah. Be- Beatles. Beatles better than Stones, for sure. Although, did not like that movie, Danny Boyle, about the guy who... Uh, plays the Beatles songs and the Beatles don't exist. Oh, uh, that just came out, right? Yeah. I haven't uh, Thumbs seen, down. Really? What? Big thumbs Why? down. Why? It just uh, doesn't come together. The premise is kind of, you know, goofball. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a high concept. So you either go, Ugh, or you say, that's kind of cool. I want to see what happens. But somehow, you know, they have the rights to all these Beatles songs, and they just, I felt no joy at any time. The guy was perpetually puzzled and confused about how he was doing this and like tortured by it and so it was like this isn't fun it, it wasn't fun he wasn't just like heck yeah like, like these people <laughs> love it i'm making all of this money like i'm a global icon no he uh there was just a lot of tortured squinty-eyed oh boy what am i doing i'm oh, deceiving this is so wrong yeah. uh anyway that's that's my review but hey i don't want to dissuade i'm you know everybody it's called knows Danny no, it's not called Danny Boyle. He's Danny Boyle, the director. Uh, Train spotting, heroin, 100, yeah. 127 hours, sawing the arm off. James, James Franco, Franco. Great performance by James Franco. Who He actually, it was method acting. He actually did it. Did you know that? He does not have a hand anymore. <laughs> they digitally <laughs> reinserted it in, uh, in uh, yeah. Disaster Art. Seriously hinders his dope smoking, I'm, I'm led to understand. Anyway, uh, Look, let's take let's take, we a, take small a break. break. And when we come back, uh, announcement. Oh, Exciting. big news. Exciting big, big stuff. news. Exciting. Good news for all people. Uh, Save one. In, in just a moment. Hello, fans of Light Trees Walking. Or someone who's just listening. Hey, if you like this podcast and you have not rated it and reviewed it on Apple Podcasts or similar services, if you could go ahead and do that, that'd be great. We're at 153 uh, uh, ratings, which is awesome. Uh, let's get some fresher reviews. Those encouraging words, those keep Mike and I going through these uh, dark and cold Minnesota winter months. Um, also, if you want to share it with folks, uh, you can do that. You can check out LikeTreesWalkingPod.com or LTWPod.com. Uh, the great Lucas Antoniak uh, designed 
find a new logo for our podcast, which has literal trees walking around, uh, and they look like them too. And so it's fantastic. Uh, also, uh, you can on, on, on Facebook, we've been very active recently, uh, trying to see who you would want us to get a cameo from to promote the show. Uh, the guy who did Jar Jar's voice, uh, uh, Andy Dick. I mean, so, you know, who who can we drop a hundred dollars on to, to get them to, to promote our show? This is the exciting kind of exciting uh, dialogue and conversation that happens uh, there. And so, let's get back to the show. Exciting news! I can't wait to share it with you. And we are back. This is Like Trees Walking. Yes, uh, you mentioned at the break the the logo. I'm liking the logo. Love it. It's really good. It's grown really up. Good. We've grown up. Uh, Lucas himself did a, a, another, uh, a little something for us. Oh, yeah? What'd he do? Uh, inflatable cow as baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that probably needs some explanation. Go on over to my other podcast. Go to 372 pages to find out about the inflatable cow. <laughs> It looks like baby Yoda. It's a hell of a rig. Uh, as I say, Connor, my Connor Listoka, co-host on that, sent me that uh, little bit of art today. And I said, I just, I wish my late father could see this to know <laughs> that I at least had some small part in bringing this about. I think it would just warm his heart, you know. Uh, Marine veteran, I'm sure he would just look at it and smile, a little tears rimming his eyes. We're doing good work here. Anyway. Uh, announcement. Okay, so speaking Pastor of, Dave, speaking of speaking of Baby Yoda, yeah, um, in which I just the other day I was talking with someone who was like, you know, I'm really impressed with Disney that they didn't, you know, in order to keep the secret of Baby Yoda with the Mandalorian show, that they didn't like pre-produce all this merch of him that they would have sold at Christmas and leaked it out. What's the secret? I don't understand. Like because if they had like because you know if they were is trying he to not in the Mandalorian, well, he is in the Mandalorian, but they didn't. Um, produce a bunch of baby yoda merchandise that would be flying off the shelves like hotcakes like they didn't prepare for that which one is baby yoda in? he's in the mandalorian the oh. tv show that he's in the oh, tv he's show. in the tv show yes he's right. not in the upcoming no movie. no he's not in episode nine the rise of skywalker which oh by the way yes you are going to be seeing what december 28th in the movie theater this comes as a shock to me and not a pleasant one mike that. we have how gone... did this come about what caused me to have to commit this rash act so our generous our very generous extremely generous listeners of this podcast yes. and the podcast and you know f- friends fans foes alike they heard about this uh fundraiser we're doing for the center of belonging um that we did a little joke podcast about before because we were talking about baptizing baby yoda if you remember correctly yes and uh uh I yeah. honestly didn't even remember from that conversation where Baby Yoda was from. Oh I'm not even faking that. So, so, ba- so, so we said if we raise a thousand bucks, if people contribute a thousand dollars to the Center of Belonging, then Mike will take his he will take his carcass to a movie theater to see this new Star Wars movie, which he is. You know, he this is the last thing that Mike wants to do is go to the it's movie. Theater. Truly, the last thing I want to do, especially at the time that we have to see it. We're going on a Saturday we're going afternoon, Mike. In the thick of things. It's going to be in great. The, but I'm not doing opening weekend. We're like midnight on Thursday. I know, or but something. that thing is going to just keep chugging along. I mean, there's no way we're we're not going to be inundated. There probably will be 
far fewer cosplayers around us. Yep, and so that's where you can help, folks. So we're probably at like 1100 bucks, maybe a little more at this point, in order to get Mike in tasteful cosplay. So think, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, style, uh, lightsaber, robe, um, little braid in his hair. Uh, you know, we've got to get to five grand people and so if you could get us to five grand in the next two weeks uh, that would be uh, i'll start shopping for rat tails today a christmas miracle and what you can help is if you're in find yourself into this in the twin cities and you want to go see this movie with us you can give five hundred dollars i mean you know it's for a good cause so not only are you it's like it's working for you on multiple levels not only do you is get it to, fully tax deductible it's fully tax deductible there see? absolutely 100 percent done sold um, so it's 100% tax deductible donation to Ace in the City Center of Belonging. I have my Facebook fundraiser. I also have links online to how you can give to that directly to Ace. Um, just end your donation in nine if you do it there so they know it's for this, from you for this. Um, not only do you get to go see the Star Wars movie, you get to see it with Mike Nesslin suffering. And you get to support a good cause, a great cause. And I promise, this is just a bonus. I'm unveiling it right now. Ooh. I will bring along more than one kind of tinned fish for you to this is, eat. This is exciting. This is like if you came to our uh, our live podcast this last, uh, when did we do that? Uh, was it September? It was in September. September. Uh, yeah, passed out a bunch of cans there. You should have seen the happy faces. They were flying. Like people were, they were. Just- I was signing cans of sardines, squid and ink. People were just delighted. So, so if you yeah. want to get in on that action. So free tinned fish to go along with it. So you just have to get yourself to Minneapolis. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and come to the movie theater. Yeah, with us. And so the people who give, we will. If if someone does that, we'll contact you separately. And make sure we have everything lined up. But it's on Saturday, the twenty eighth. But we've hit our first goal. So here is what they call a stretch goal. Stretch, stretch. But and then cosplay. We'll document it. Mike will look amazing. Yep. I. Uh, uh, is there any way that if if we someone really delivers, can I get the Nick Nolte thing? I finally saw. Yes. I saw clips of him. <laughs> There was I mean, an ad, I think, on, on TV the other day, and I saw I heard the distinctive growl of the Nolte. And I how saw many him. hours are you willing to sit in a makeup chair, Mike? Uh, I did it years ago. I, I did a character that took uh, seven hours. It was miserable, just miserable. And you, how many, how many times did you have to film this? A lot, a lot. Um, there was a period where it was pretty intense. I was doing it two or three times a week. That's so much of your life was, and spent. then I had to stay in it. And maybe I've mentioned this before, but I was, uh, so it was a character w- who was balding with a fringe of hair, so yes. full bald cap and, um, uh, and dentures that were oh. fitted on top of my teeth because he had dentures. So that was very uncomfortable. They were very tight. You had to learn how to talk again mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. dentures in, um, and it was extremely hot to seal your head in latex. And then I wore a full suit with a vest, so a wool suit. And, uh, and it was just miserable. And I was eating a sandwich at lunch and people would leave the studio because I, it, it had to be so cold in there and my makeup would melt. It would literally melt and the wig would like snap oh, off so that they put it at like 55 degrees in the studio and I was still miserably hot. But, uh, once I was eating a sandwich and I was, and sadly by myself and I noticed that I was masticating my own mustache <laughs> like i was eating it like a caterpillar oh, in my because i couldn't really taste anything my mouth was oh, numb geez. from these dentures oh. uh anyway i have sympathy for people who have to do that like heavy makeup that's why those guys who did star trek they'd have like three bumps on their head and like yeah they just went look i'm not <laughs> i'm not doing the full thing <laughs> figure out a way well yeah like that one guy on the i don't know if it's deep space nine he had like the butt 
kind of forehead. Yeah. Think but, how much butthead guy. Just think how much the butthead guy had to do. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so very exciting. We're at least going to go see it. At least seeing it, but you can make a dream come true, which is for me to see, and for all of us, I think, to see Mike, cosplaying for the first time. <laughs> Have I done? No, we talked about this before. I don't, I don't think, think I've technically done no. any kind of no, cosplay. because if it's for work, it's not cosplay. Right, right, exactly. You know, if yeah. you're being paid to dress up, it's not cosplay. And it doesn't count on, on Halloween. Nope, that, nope, hallo- nope, that's every, it, that's, yeah, yep, that doesn't count. Okay, then I have never done it before. First ever cosplay. All right, folks, so let's make this happen. The links will be up on the internet at Like Juice Walking Pod, also on Facebook, our, uh, our Facebook stuff, so please, uh, please support it. All Thank right. you. And hey, uh, consider going to church. Go to church. Don't be one of these millennials. Don't ruin, you know, millennials, what have they ruined? Some laundry list. <laughs> oh, yeah. M- mortgages, <laughs> college, brunch, I mean, who knows, you know, we've just ruined everything. All right. Well, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be going to movies, and we'll be back with reports on that and big questions and just a lot of stuff coming up. This is uh, Like Trees Walking. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge. So long. <laughs>